You're listening to Young African Entrepreneur, episode 13. Welcome to Young African Entrepreneur, the leading resource for starting and growing a business for flourishing entrepreneurs in sub-Saharan Africa. Join in as we discuss tactical advice, personal motivators, and unexpected surprises for industry leaders and market professionals as they chart their own path to success. It's your time, your journey, your Africa. So please welcome your host, Victoria Crandall. episode of Young African Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Crandall. Today's episode is going to be a little different from my usual long-form interview with an African entrepreneur. Today is a special best-of episode where I'm going to highlight the top 10 tips, advice, hacks for cultivating an entrepreneur mindset from my past guests. Since the podcast launch, I've interviewed a dozen amazing entrepreneurs with thriving businesses in Africa. They've candidly shared advice, tips, and insights into how they persevere in the face of challenges. And what's remarkable is that all of these entrepreneurs share a common mindset that has been critical to their success. As renowned entrepreneur Tony Robbins said, Success as an entrepreneur is 20% skills and 80% psychology or mindset. You have to develop the right psychology to handle the emotional roller coaster of being an African entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur anywhere is tough, but I'd argue that being an entrepreneur in Africa is even more difficult. Whatever the subject was, whether it be networking, finding an idea for your business, or dealing with inevitable failure, these entrepreneurs held similar opinions and approaches. And I thought it would be helpful to share these top 10 tips on cultivating an entrepreneur mindset from examining the highlights from conversations with my past guests. I'm constantly pushing myself to experiment with a podcast because I want to make the best content for you, the YAE listener. Since I'm exploring a new format, I'd love to get your feedback. Send me an email at victoria at yaepodcast.com or reach out on Twitter at Tori, T-O-R-I underscore Crandall, C-R-A-N-D-A-L-L. I would love to hear from you. Without further ado, here are the top 10 tips on cultivating an entrepreneur mindset. Tip number 10, get started. There was definitely a common refrain when I asked for guests to give one piece of actionable advice to aspiring African entrepreneurs. Many simply said to get started, prioritize action over ideas. Here's what Wiza Jalakazi of Africa is Talking had to say. Start now. You're only going to lose time in future. Like, just start. I think there are so many people who have ideas in their head. And because of many reasons, they feel they don't have the permission to actually actualize their idea 
So like it's like cultural things. A lot of it is our own fault and how we raise children. We don't raise children to experiment or do things. So I know so many brilliant people who I accuse of sleeping on themselves. Like they're sleeping on themselves because they're not taking action. So I would say just get started. You can't really control any outcome. But if you can get started, something will happen. And as long as something happens, you can control that something. But the one way to, to be sure of failure is not to do anything at all. Sean Keogh of Ecos Global in Ethiopia had similar advice for prioritizing action above all else. Don't wait until the situation is perfect. Just go out and do it. Right? There's nothing stopping you from just being an entrepreneur in your daily life. Like There's opportunities that you see right now that you don't need a full business to fulfill. If you're interested in selling cookies to the market, like just go figure out how to make cookies in your kitchen and then sell and your try to sell to your friends. Like there's there's opportunities and if if one of these things starts to take off, then you'll have a lot more options down the road. But in the event it doesn't take off and things in Africa, things in Ethiopia, things in a lot of the markets here, it just takes so long. So just be very, very conscious of your burn. Like go out, like make sure that you step out wherever you can and, and just get something done. But also like be very, very conscious of where your downside is. And this is what Van Jones of Hello Tractor had to say. Learn by doing, and it's so easy for us to be in our heads all the time. And you need to test things out, and you need to really test things out in a in a non-ideal sense. Just put something out there and see what you learn. And by doing that, you learn so much more than if you just try to model it into a um, into a diagram a two by two matrix or whatever. You, you, you really can't do that. You have to actually, um, you actually have to be active to build something. Tip number nine on cultivating an entrepreneur mindset, focus on the customer. This is particularly relevant for tech founders because tech founders are known to be in love with their products and they forget that they're selling to someone. So remember that it's a business and your business will only thrive if you master your customer base. This is what Eric Hersman of Brick and the iHub had to say. The most important thing is your is being able to get some revenue traction and a path to revenue. So that means a customer. So we get intoxicated by our products and what we build as a tech people generally. But even outside tech is just find a customer. And once you find a customer, then serving that customer helps you build the right thing. Eric also gave this invaluable piece of information. There's a real need to blend the analog and the digital. You have to figure out a way that people's analog world marries up with your digital service or product in some way. And I think when you do that, you find a really, you can take those two things. So analog and digital and what people have in their pocket, you can really hit a mass market. Patrick Muhire of Vugape was very candid in sharing how he neglected his customers when he first started and how he had to change his approach. So people in Africa right now, young entrepreneurs are starting companies just because of the money and getting the money and making that name. But I don't actually see it that way now. Even me, when I was starting, I was seeing it that, in that way, like get up, get the money, secure the funds and try to build up the company. But right now it's more like focused on what are you giving the people? What, what value added service are you giving the people? Is there demand for product? Since I've started, I've changed from company, from one company to another, because I do something within the next five months and I'm like, wow, shit, nobody likes what I'm doing and I don't think I'm adding value. So I change up 
to what I'm doing. I keep trying new things each type of the day so that basically understanding the African market itself, it's something very difficult, especially the tech area. Felix Sagai, founder of Deliver Addis, even took it a step farther and gave this very practical advice when it came to finding customers. Start small and just verify your idea first. Before you invest a great deal of time and money into something, just make sure that there's a market for that. It doesn't have to be a major, a massive market. It doesn't mean you have to do a lot. But if when you start small, you've, you've made fewer assumptions, or the hope should be that you make fewer assumptions, and you just see naturally where the latent demand takes you. And then from there, figure out how do I add value to that? If you try and create something without knowing exactly who your market is or who would be the first customers, it's much harder for you to sell to them. It should be a solution that, a solution to a problem that they know already exists and that there's already demand for. Trying to create demand is just a little too expensive. And lastly, Daniel Yu, founder of Soka Watch, was very pragmatic. He was not reinventing the wheel with this advice, which I loved. The best and the easiest way to go about doing that is to find something that people are already paying money for, but find a way to do it cheaper, better, faster, etc., such that some of those dollars start to go your way. Tip number eight, prioritize skill sets over degrees. The global economy, which is powered more and more by technology, is moving at such a fast pace that traditional education cannot keep up with it. Prioritize skill sets over academic degrees, which are really only pieces of paper. And this is what Patrick had to say on the subject. People are so confused, like going to universities and getting your master's and your PhD, that's what is going to get you better. But I see like the whole education system in Africa and all over the world has recently died. Not everybody is getting what they are supposed to get out of schools. I really advise each African early entrepreneurs who are into entrepreneurship right now to focus on getting the skill sets than focusing on getting the papers which they get at the universities. Because the people who are teaching them right now, the professors and the what, they were back in 1991. They continued teaching the same thing from 1991 to up to today. They're still teaching the same thing. But the world has really changed and we must change according to how the world has changed. Daniel Meissen, co-founder of Sky Garden, shared this powerful piece of advice. There was someone I really, when I was 15, I remember he, he was someone I really looked up to. He had the house, the car, was kind of a mentor. He was an actual scientist, very academic, etc. But I remember once he told me that education is great, but it's not everything. And who you are and what people will always remember you for how you make them feel. And that can only come from being as honest as you can from yourself. Tip number seven. Don't look far to build your network and find mentors. We can approach networking as only connecting with people who are more influential or connected than we are. And I admit that I'm guilty of this. But this is the wrong approach. You don't have to look far to build a valuable and meaningful network of informal advisors and mentors. Henok Asafa, CEO of Precise Consulting in Ethiopia, gave this powerful insight into building a network and finding a mentor. 
Yeah. So for me, mentors are clearly uh, very important. And fi- how to find the mentors is important. Find, uh, you know, use family, friends, people around you. And then uh, LinkedIn and other sort of uh, technology now has made it very easy. You can search for people on Twitter. You can, you know, find the right person. And then here's the kicker of them all, right? A lot of these people are willing to be mentors. <laughs> and most people don't think so. There's something flattering about it, I think. But a serious young professional wanting mentorship support. And you have to obviously prove that you mean it, that you're serious, that you have your act together. But if you could exhibit those commitments, then I think the busiest and most interesting people end up being interested to be mentors. I find that to be the big kicker that I probably didn't know when I was a little younger. And that I think is very useful for people. And, you know, it's, it's not what you learn only, but it's also, if you ask me to connect you to half the private sector in Ethiopia, I know half the, the private sector. If I believed in a young professional who are mentoring, I could probably link them with half that private sector. It's, it's a nice shortcut. And I think it's a nice shortcut to success. Nidhi Sharma, MD of Brick and co-founder of Elimu had similar advice. You know, as a young African entrepreneur, what you need to do is look around you for examples of people who are doing well and think deeply about the ways in which they're doing well and how that applies to you. Hmm. And so you can't just go around reading newspaper articles that paints them in the best light, but think, read, read the kind of articles that um, talk about an, an organization and the struggles that they've gone through, the struggles that they've gone through in defining what that organization does, the struggles that they've gone through in personalities. So, you know, read, like, don't look more for mentorship, but just read more about businesses, read about organizations and the people that make organizations don't latch on to one person that you think can answer all of your questions. Tip number six, add value in your relationships. Van Jones, co-founder of Hello Tractor, gave a list of several hacks for networking. But what I found so interesting was that he emphasized adding value and reciprocity. Invite people over, you know, invite people over that, are in that are approachable that are maybe American organizations or international organizations and let's have let's encourage them to bring others into the fold right so that they can help us um, kind of bridge the gap so we've had like we used to have in our in our first place we had this um, nice rooftop in our nice rooftop that we could have it was a nice place to, to have a drink and relax and we just invite people up 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 top and just kind of network and, and just kind of socialize. We um, kept it. We, of course, business was mentioned, but I find, you know, people respond pretty well when you take a genuine, genuine interest in their family. And when you, when you learn about things they are, they're passionate about and you ask a lot of open-ended questions to get people talking, that is a, uh, that's a good way for you to kind of create some kind of endearment. And so that's what we try to do. We try to create some kind of connection but use the resources at your disposal to find out what the landscape is. And then when you find those names of people that are approachable, that are approachable, then you kind of, you connect and you help and you show reciprocity. You do something for them as well as, you know, and you do something maybe, you know, for free for them that, that they need, right? It could be something simple, but you, you show that you actually care, right? You invite somebody, you, you, uh, you invite someone over, you make sure that, you know, 
you have a good meal, a good meal for them. You treat them well. And I think they start, they'll understand that you're putting in the effort and that'll, that'll, um, that'll show up in your future uh, interactions with them. When Sean was starting his advisory business in Ethiopia, he used this really smart hack to add value to his clients and build his client base. Where there's no information publicly available, you have to use every information advantage that you can. And for me, I had access to this, this old tool. So what I did is I, I just used that database as the foundation for our own database. And you know, after a few weeks of having conversations, doing a lot of reading, um, actually going physically to um, people that they had um, archives for uh, the newspapers here. And after we, me and my, um, I had some people helping me with this here. But yeah, after a couple of weeks, what we had was, okay, here are the 10 or 15 deals that were publicly announced uh, going back to 1996. But here's like 15 more that we can talk about that are interesting that no one seems to really know about. But here's the evidence that we have that they happened. And that information is really, really powerful for a lot of people. So we were able to get meetings pretty easily with pretty much anybody here on the strength of just a little bit of extra extra information, a little bit of extra, extra research. Tip number five for cultivating an entrepreneur mindset. Learn to say no. I typically ask guests on the show to talk about their biggest failure and what they learned from it. When Nevi shared her big failure... Her inability to say no was at the root of the problem. Taking the wrong money, taking money from organizations or doing projects that kind of derailed us from our strategic objectives. And it's always tempting to take money, especially when you're a bootstrapped entrepreneur. Uh, It's very hard to say no to money. And so some of the failures we've seen, uh, especially at Ilimu, have been because We've taken on projects because we were struggling to keep the lights on. And then we find ourselves, you know, one year, two years, three years down the line doing work that isn't helping us achieve the objectives that we had set out to achieve when we started Ilimu. So that's been a big um a big learning for me. And and I do and I do practice that more and more at brick and thinking. And, you know, being able to say no and say that this yeah. is a great opportunity and you're a great partner and you're a big uh, global brand. But no, we, you know, we don't want to work with you right now. Maybe we can have this conversation um, a few years down the line. And Wiza had this to say about the peril of not saying no to ideas when you're starting out. For me, it was really about saying the things that I wish were said to me before I decided to start that startup. If, if somebody had told me the things that I explained in that article, I felt I would have had a much clearer picture of what I was getting into and where the pitfalls are. Because a lot of it is like really just psychological and mental and just like staying focused on what you set out to do in a world of seemingly infinite possibilities and every idea seems like a good one. You typically find yourself running around in circles a lot if you don't have a very clear picture of where you're going. Tip number four, ignore the hype. There's a lot of hype surrounding African startups, particularly tech startups. The danger is that the hype can distract and sidetrack entrepreneurs who focus on things that don't matter for their businesses. Wiza spoke candidly about this risk, which he experienced founding his second startup. When I asked him about what he wished he had known when he was younger, this is how he replied. 
just not to believe the hype. Like there's there's hype and there's actual work that has to be done. So it's very easy to build a company around hype. There are terms that people in the industry use like vanity metrics that can, if you're not careful, you can conflate them to actual measures of progress. So you think you're making progress, but you're so not. If I can jump in here, give yeah. us an example of a vanity metric. So if you have a product that you're, you have maybe social media pages for and you've got like 100,000 likes, that's great, mm. but that doesn't translate to people actually using your product for revenue. <laughs> so you know it's easy for you to build a startup around arbitrary metrics that you define as having value simply because there's so much hype in the industry and no one has really standardized how startups are valued. Tip number three, love the process. A key factor in cultivating an entrepreneur mindset is loving the process. Success is not immediate. It takes a lot of hard work and going through ups and downs to achieve success. You do need to love what you're doing and celebrate the small milestones. Patrick said he learned that lesson, that entrepreneurship is not glamorous. From Gary Vanderchuk, an American internet entrepreneur, he explained what he learned from Gary V this way. Viewed all his videos, I found something very interesting. He's like, right now, as startup founders, we know like forming a startup, uh, it's being cool. Like you being a called a CEO and running a startup, it's cool. But actually, it's not, which in real life, it's not. It's really hard work. It's really like going through the hustle. And he always says, you eat dog shit for about like 15 years. And then after, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is very true. Since I've started my first company, I've been eating shit since, since up to today. But he always motivates me like one day eating that shit is going to stop. And then you're going to be sitting like relaxing and says, wow, over my past 20 years, I've built something very interesting. So I don't mind like right now eating shit, uh, doing my startup. I know that in the next 10 years or 15 years, I'll be on something. That's what Gary V has told me. Be patient in the hustle you are doing because most people who start up companies these days are not patient. You just start up a company and you think the next following year, you are going to be having 100 million users and that stuff. But what Gary V has told me right now is to be patient in the hustle. Love the hustle you are doing. Love everything you are doing. If you don't love what you are doing, then you must quit and find what you love doing. Tip number two, expect that you're going to change your business model and pivot. A fundamental concept that is key to cultivating an entrepreneur mindset is expecting that you'll have to tweak your business model or completely rip it up and pivot. You can have an amazing idea on paper, but as soon as you put it into action, you find out that you have to change something. This was a huge realization for Van of Hello Tractor. He recounted how he and his co-founder had to pivot from their original idea for their business. The idea of bringing in tractors in the, into the country was, it was kind of like a proof of concept idea, right? Like we know that we can create connectivity around, or we believe we can create connectivity around the tractors, right? We know we can create uh, connectivity around them, but there aren't enough tractors out there. And so we didn't have access to those tractors either, either anyway at the time. So when we were looking at this opportunities and, and creating something, creating this company, we were like, 
All right, we need to bring in tractors. We need to bring in tractors, and we need to make sure those tractors from day one have our software embedded in them, and we kind of create this entire ecosystem. But along the way, while we're doing this, I think our narrative, at least to the wider public, made it seem as if we were a pure play tractor company. And we still fight that to, uh, today because when we're still trying to put together deals and trying to be a part of like discussions with different multilaterals or NGOs or private sector organizations, they, they still, they still see us as a tractor company. And we're like, tractors are a part of what we do, but we're all about the connection. We're all about creating the connection between the farmer that needs a service and the tractor owner um, that needs to create business opportunities for themselves. And so we do that via technology. We make that work. But when someone has it in their mind that when they when they look at you in the same way as a John Deere or a Massey Ferguson, that's kind of, it's tough to kind of get them to reorient their thinking. And it's something that we have to, we have to figure out how we can continue to kind of tell the correct story so that we, people understand that those Massey Ferguson's and those John Deere's, those are, they're not competition. Those, that's part of our customer network. You know, we work with them. We're, they, they're our partners in many respects. So it's just one of those things that we have to deal with. Now, getting back to your question, <laughs> the, when we were selling these tractors, because we were, um, we were dealing with dollars when we we're trying to you know, buy the equipment and, and, uh, and modify it, et cetera, uh, and bring it into the country, we saw price increases of 60%, 70%. And so all of these challenges um, resulted in something that just became less and less affordable for the, for the, um, the average uh, man and woman that we were looking to bring on board as a tractor owner. And the reality is that, you know, it took, it, you know, it was, it was most of a good chunk of 2016, 2017. And, Doing that in an environment where you're having like crazy interest rates and you're doing it's it was just a concophony of just bad economics around it. And we and that's why we have to pivot. We have to adjust. I mean that's that's business, right? Things don't always go your way and you make do what you can. Daniel of Soka Watch also experienced a drastic pivot in his business. Primary motivation came based on the fact that we knew that the business idea that the customer segment that we were pursuing was ultimately not going to be viable for us. And I think, to be honest, at that point, we had raised a significant amount of money backing that particular idea. And it's often said that the idea that you start with is not necessarily the idea that you end with. And, and I felt that even if this idea behind what we wanted to do with LeafWatch and specifically targeting the health industry wasn't going to work out, that I still had an obligation to try to find something that would work, that would show the path forward, uh, given the resources and, and the people who had invested their, their money and who had kind of backed me as somebody who they believed in to figure something out. Tip number one, accept failure and move on. This is, I believe, the most fundamental principle for cultivating an entrepreneur mindset, accepting failure and moving on. At some point or another, an entrepreneur is bound to fail. The secret to success is not to be paralyzed by failure, but to apply lessons learned and persevere. This is what Wiza said about failure. 
I think like tech entrepreneurship, you can only actually learn by figuring out the things that don't work. It's very different. It's very different from any other type of entrepreneurship that I've seen because you have this mental model that has been painted for you. That is not the real thing. But for you to get to the point where you acknowledge that, you just have to fail. And you talk to other founders who failed before and they tell you the same thing, like, oh, you had to go through this to realize that like all this stuff is hype <laughs> and there is a lot of work involved. Sean also experienced failure in Ethiopia, and this is how he put it into perspective. About was I was at a point at Entoto where we had basically taken on a lot of projects that had really, really long runway. We didn't have the cash to support it. I actually needed to step away from the business for a few months um, to go back to the U.S. And, and raise money and to think about the path forward for Ethiopia, for me, for our team. And that, for me, felt like a real failure because... It just seemed like such a great opportunity. I wasn't able to make it work. And it's just, you know, you go to Ethiopia and you just say like, oh, yeah, like you put your reputation out there and you say, okay, like I'm not going to take this job at the bank anymore. I'm not going to work at this job where I was not as happy, but you were making definitely more than average to go set up something crazy in Ethiopia. And then you kind of come back with your tail between your legs. Then you kind of realize that none of that really matters you're going to be fine. At the end of the day, you still have your health, you still have your family. And if you go to a hospital here, you'll see people who are going through some really serious issues. And my feelings got hurt doesn't really register on the grand scale of pain and suffering. And you're fine, you know, like you're fine. And then honestly, like you're more interesting as a person. Hopefully you have some better experiences and whatever you choose to do afterwards, like it's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite a, um, you can choose to just fail or you can choose to fail and, and try to move forward. And, and I guess like the biggest thing for me that I learned from that situation in particular was that how easy it is to fail forward. Daniel of Soka Watch, who experienced a difficult pivot to his current business model, which is now thriving, reflected about how he struggled to ask for help because he felt shame. I think I've, I've failed in communication in a number of ways. There have definitely been times where I haven't been as transparent with my team, with my, even with my business partner. But then I would also say, you know, with my investors as well. And I think that the, the investor part is probably where I've had the biggest takeaway and, and where I think there's perhaps the biggest uh, lesson to learn on a more general basis for other entrepreneurs out there, which is that I think for us, we've been through a fairly tumultuous journey where we've failed at multiple business models that we originally sold our investors on uh, that we convinced them to, to give us money for. And I think for me, I inherently felt this sense of shame, this sense of I've let you down. And instead of admitting that, I'm just going to try to, to keep that under the mattress until I figure out a way out of it such that I can come back to you and say, okay, yeah, that didn't work, but don't worry. You know, we, we fixed it. We, we, we found an alternate way. And even though that's more or less eventually what happened, I think I lost with a few individuals in particular, a good amount of trust where they basically said, look, you went through a really tough time and I get that, but I'm also upset that you didn't have the confidence to come to me and, and ask for help because, of course, all of our investors are more experienced than I was starting off this business as a, as a university dropout. And so the fact that I didn't feel comfortable going to them and asking their advice, especially since a number of them 
are successful entrepreneurs in their own right, I think was a reflection on my immaturity and uh, my naivete to think that I could just figure it out on my own. So what I would very much recommend is saying that, look, you know, it's, it's not easy admitting your mistakes, admitting your failures, but the more that you can do that and the more open and transparent that you can be on what's going wrong, the easier it is for people to get the help that you might need. So there you have it. I'm going to quickly recap the top 10 tips for cultivating an entrepreneur mindset. 10, get started, take action. 9, focus on your customers. 8, prioritize skill sets over degrees. 7, don't look far to build your network. 6, add value in your relationships. 5, learn to say no. 4, ignore the hype. Three, love the process. Two, expect to pivot. One, embrace failure. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed these tips. And don't forget to check out the show notes at yepodcast.com. Until next time. That's all for this episode of Young African Entrepreneur. But we can use your help in evolving this show through your feedback and suggestions by engaging with us on social media at YAE Podcast. You can also visit yaepodcast.com for show notes, resources, and information on today's episode. That's yaepodcast.com. It's your time, your journey, your Africa, young African entrepreneur.